We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs, TJ Inman, and Matt Weaver from Peaks.com will be joining us to talk all the IU football news uh, that has come out in the last couple of days. Yesterday was a big day for Indiana. They get a bid uh, and accepted a bid to the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville. A uh, uh, nice January 2nd bowl game that will face the Tennessee Volunteers. After some drama, it looked like at first Kentucky was going to be Indiana's opponent, uh, but instead they will be facing the uh, the Volunteers from Tennessee. We also have some big recruiting news and all of that stuff. Uh, but first, a word from our friends over at my bookie. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game, even though they lost again last week. Um, every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test. So why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway. We're over halfway through the NFL season, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the games with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend, especially with bowl games coming up. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet my bookie. If you use promo code CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, my bookie will double your first deposit. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. So use promo code CHAIR to activate that offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you get paid, uh, and you win. All right. We're now welcoming in TJ Inman and Matt Weaver uh, to the show. TJ, Matt, uh, TJ, how are you guys? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having us on, of course. and. Um, Definitely looking forward to talking about uh, a bowl game in Florida, something we have never been able to say in program history. So that's really exciting. And Matt, welcome welcome back to the show. Uh, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. All right. The big news at IU yesterday was accepting that bowl bid uh, to the tax layer Gator Bowl in Jacksonville against Tennessee. Uh TJ, what are your your first thoughts about the matchup, about going down to Jacksonville? And then uh, once TJ's done that, same question for you. Well, first, uh, just the selection process overall, uh, you know, it's 
exciting to be a part of that, not not just individually, but as, as Indiana, as a fan and a guy covering it for Hoosier Huddle, uh, it's exciting to be involved in that process. There's so many moving parts. And once Wisconsin uh, was really competitive against Ohio State, uh, it really felt like Gator Bowl was going to be the destination uh, because it, it Wisconsin staying in that game really meant uh, the Big Ten was going to have three teams in the New Year's Six with Ohio State and Penn State joining the Badgers. Uh, and as that happens, you know, they get the Cotton Bowl, Penn State does, which means that the Citrus Bowl is still on the table. So uh really fell in Indiana's favor in that regard. I was kind of worried they'd get bumped down to a slot that you uh, would still be excited about, but, you know, it would not necessarily – um, be quite what you feel the reward should be for IU going eight and four, uh, with six Big Ten teams winning nine games this season or more. Uh, it, it was IU was going to slide down a little bit, but getting the call for the Gator Bowl is really exciting. That's a good recruiting base for Indiana. Obviously, I think that'll be an added bonus, and the extra 15 practices is huge. Um, I think it's really cool for the players to be able to go to warm weather at this time of year and. Uh, get to play on national television uh, January 2nd in a primetime slot against a national brand in Tennessee that um, while obviously it's not a title contender at the moment, uh, it's a program that uh, still has a very proud tradition, uh, very high expectations for themselves, and uh, I definitely think that Tennessee, just based on their fan base, uh, they are expecting to, to waltz over the Hoosiers, and uh, the numbers, advanced metrics, would suggest otherwise. I think it will be a really fun matchup. Yeah, just if you're on social media and an Indiana fan, uh, there's already uh, smack talk happening between volunteer and Hoosier fans. Uh, so that's something to keep us entertained for the next three weeks. Matt, what, what excites you most about this matchup and, and you know, you asked Tom uh, Tom Allen yesterday about the impact it has on recruiting. But what what does this January second bowl date mean to IU? Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, to state the obvious, it's huge. Just you know, this is like TJ said, it's the first time ever uh, for an Indiana football team to play a bowl game in Florida, uh, January second. And then you know, I don't know if it was mentioned, you guys mentioned, but you know, it being on that Thursday night, it's going to be the only game, so it's going to be. You know, uh, all eyes, if you want to watch college football on Thursday night, January 2nd, all eyes are going to be on the Indiana-Tennessee game. So, huge exposure for the program. Uh, interesting matchup. I mean, for you know, we all kind of thought it was going to be Kentucky, and it looked like it was, so I was kind of focused on that. But, um, you know, Tennessee started off, you know, really, really had a rough start. Came on at the end, uh, five wins in a row to get to seven and five. So, haven't done a ton of research on them. It looks like they're more of a running team. kind of struggle to throw the ball, and when they do, it's, it's kind of a big play. Um, you know, defensively, you know, uh, not bad. But I, I kind of agree with TJ. I, I don't, I don't see. I mean, I, I'm not shocked that Tennessee fans are super confident, but I think it's misplaced. I think this will be a good game, and you know, I think this is a very winnable game for Indiana. I, you know, to me, Tennessee might be comparable to kind of a Michigan State earlier in the season when Michigan State was playing a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm not saying they're the exact same scheme, but just kind of maybe talent-wise mm-hmm. and and how tough they are. I think it's probably a fairly fair comparison if you're looking at a Big Ten team. So I think it'll be a good matchup, and it should be uh, should be a lot of fun to watch. 
Yeah, I, I'm excited about the matchup. I, I, Matt, we were driving down to the press conference yesterday when when Bull and things got crazy. Three kids committed, and the Bull announcement all dropped within I think 25 minutes of each other. And then on top of that, the Bull announcement gets bow guarded by Philip Fulmer, and um, <laughs> you know, and it was it was Kentucky, and then all of a sudden it's. It's not Kentucky, and it might be Tennessee, and, you know, it was the, the Music City Bowl, the Belk Bowl, and the Gator Bowl were all playing uh, musical chairs. But as exciting as, as a Kentucky matchup would have been, and that, that I think would have been a real cool primetime matchup. It's a game that they haven't played since 2005. It's, it's a, a rivalry with that fans, I think, on each side, and, and I know IU fans better than I know Kentucky fans, but I, the IU fans are dying for a piece of Kentucky just because it's Kentucky. And it, I think that would have um, generated a, a lot of interest uh, from the, the casual IU athletics fans. Uh, but to face a, a name brand like Tennessee, although they, they're, they're not who they used to be, uh, by all stretches of the means, it's a, it's a team that lost to Georgia State uh, at home to open the season, uh, they lost to BYU in heartbreaking fashion, uh, and, and you know then the, they end up on a five-game winning streak, go seven and five, uh, and it's worth noting that Tennessee's best wide receiver will be suspended for the first half of the game, um, Jennings for for stepping on the head of a Vanderbilt player, uh, so you know that's I, I, that plays in the favor of the Hoosiers right there. But I think it's a cool matchup. Jacksonville, it's not going to be – Indiana fans going down to Jacksonville expect the 80-degree weather. I, I'm sorry it's not going to happen. Um, it's northern Florida. It's I, I've never been to Jacksonville. It's a new city uh, to go to. It's an NFL stadium. It should be pretty cool. But I think the biggest deal, as you said, Matt, was playing. You're, you're the only show in town on, on Thursday night. Uh, it's, it's IU and, and probably a crappy NFL game on that Thursday night. Uh, there, actually, there might not be an NFL game because the playoffs no. are starting. Playoffs, so it's yeah. either a crappy NBA game, uh, a crappy NBA game, probably, you know, Knicks, whoever the second worst team in the, the you know, the, the league is, and, and the Knicks playing and and uh, and IU. So I, I think that's the big deal. Uh, next, I want to talk about Tom Allen's contract. Uh, Tom Allen was given a new contract by Fred Glass over the weekend. Uh, it was a seven-year deal that goes to 2026. It was um, it was tw- what was it 27.3 million dollars. So if the annual annual value of about 3.9 million. Uh, there are some weird things in that contract. Uh, one of the things that the evergreen policy, uh, where every year Tom Allen uh, qualifies for bowl. And I, and I don't think this year is included, but every year after this, he gets another year tacked on to that uh, contract. That's something that, that Fred Glass put in there himself. He wanted to put it in there. He said that yesterday. And it's almost like a lifetime contract if you keep winning. And so it, it's pretty nice to see that IU is, is putting in the resources and the money to, to keep Tom Allen around and, and let him build this program and instead of saying, hey, 
we need more. Um, it's IU's kind of paying it forward a little bit. Uh, Tom Allen had a great year, eight wins, got the bucket back, and, and going to a January Bowl. Uh, but it, there's still a lot of work to be done with this program. Matt, starting with you, what are your thoughts about this um, this new contract for Tom Allen? Um, I, you know, to me, I was uh, – yeah, I, mean, I think we've talked about this before. I, I, I was ready for Indiana to pay market rate, um, you know, even though – I think it's. I think for Indiana fans, it's, it was a bit of a, a shock to see the salary go up quite so much. But I think the reason why is just because the salary was so um, embarrassingly low for the head football coach in Indiana, and you know he's still at the bottom of the Big Ten. It's it's competitive, so I think it's totally fair. But you know, I I think this is Indiana finally stepping up, and this is one of the last things they needed to do to start. You know, basically acting like a big time college football program, a Power Five school. They started with the facilities, and now they're doing it with this. They actually did it last year with what they paid Kalen DeBoer, and that was this contract. And, you know, the, the evergreen thing that you mentioned kind of interesting, I think Ole Miss did the same thing for uh, Lane Kiffin. I think he's got the same thing in his contract about going to a bowl game, and they tack on a year every time he goes. So i never heard of it before. I don't know if it's a new thing, but it is an interesting thing. And, um, you know, to me, for a school that's been to, what, now, uh, eight or nine bowls in our history, uh, it's twelve. Me, I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, well, how many is it now? Is it twelve? Twelve. Okay, my bad. So still, you know, twelve out of uh, over more than a hundred years. Um, you know, I know some people. You know, what if they go six and six four years in a row? Well, that's still four bowl games in a row. That's you know basically almost never happened. Uh, maybe Mallory might have done it. I'm not sure if he went four in a row, but um, you know I. I think the contract's great. It shows stability. It shows it's good for recruiting. It's good for if you lose assistance, um, it makes it much easier. Obviously, winning makes it easier to get assistance, but this also helps knowing that their boss is going to be there and that he's got institutional support. So, I, I to me, there was I didn't really have any issues with the contract at all. I think it's a fair deal for both sides, and and I'm, I'm happy for Tom Allen. I'm happy that Indiana, you know, stepped up the plate and took care of it. But. Lane Kiffin may have an evergreen deal, but IU did not give half off beer at Tom Allen's press conference yesterday, as Ole Miss did today at Lane Kiffin's. So it's going to be a party down at Ole Miss. If IU's ever on a bye week and um, and the Grove is open, it might, it might have Peeg, the Peeg's party down there. Uh, getting into uh, TJ, what are your thoughts on the contract? Uh, and, and do you have anything to add to to what Matt said? I think it was a, as Matt said, a statement of intent from from Indiana. Um, something that realistically they had to do this. Uh, you know, the specifics are you can quibble over them, but Indiana had to uh, make a statement with with this contract, and, and they've done so. Um, that's exciting. It, it shows that Indiana's ready to. Uh, not just talk about being competitive in football, but doing the things that they have to do to be competitive in football, particularly in a major conference in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I, I do want to say it was reported uh, that there was interest from Arkansas that uh, kind of precipitated this move. I think it was going to happen regardless, but Matt, uh, do you have a feel for how legitimate that interest from Arkansas was, uh, and do you think that that played a, a kind of a played any part in maybe adding some urgency to get this thing done and announced? 
It, I, I can't say for sure that there was sincere interest from Arkansas. It wouldn't surprise me. Their their um, their search, you know, they were kind of uh, they were kind of um, you know running in place. I, I should say, you know, with their search, they were kind of missing on some guys. And not to say that Tom Allen wasn't a top guy for him. I don't. If he was, I don't know where he would fall. I, I know they were kind of swinging for the fence, like a lot of programs do. You know, I've heard you know Ole Miss and South Florida might have had some interest too, or at least you know. Uh, gauged his interest in, in the position. So, you know, like you said, I think this was going to get done no matter what. I think it was good. I, you know, people always ask about the time he was it done to coincide with the bowl announcement and a big recruiting weekend. I don't know. If it was, you know, kudos to Indiana because, it, 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 you know, there was a lot of positive momentum this weekend for Indiana football. I mean, we were talking about that yesterday, yep. how many different stories we had and how it was it was almost bigger than, like, winning a big game. There were so many there were so many headlines for the program yesterday. So, you know, kudos to them if they did plan it that way. I'm not, I'm not sure if they did. It probably just more of a coincidence. But, um, you know, I think I think people are seeing that Tom Allen, is, there's some things that he's got – He's got kind of those intangibles that impact. I think he's a good X and O's coach. I think he's growing as a game manager and on the field coach. He's a great recruiter. The staff's good at recruiting. Um, and you know, like I said earlier, I think it's it was a good deal. And and if it was set up by other schools, so be it. That's that's how it works. And you know, I'd rather have a coach that people want than a coach that you know if he gets yeah. let go or is out there, nobody's really interested in. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's you know and. One of the big things that people criticized, you know, the whole Tom Allen thing was with how he was hired. And sure, you well, can do that, but it's if you know what you have, then go ahead and, and lock it up. Um, I think he's proven that he's more than just a high school coach. Yeah, there's still a lot of learning on the run that he's going to have to do, and I think he's done that over the last year or two. Uh, you, you, no coach is perfect. No coach is a perfect, uh, you know, game manager. No per- coach is a perfect game planner, game schemer, uh, and things like that. You see the best coaches in the league um, make mistakes all the time. And, you know, it, it's going to happen. And I think you found a guy who wants to be at Indiana. He wants to be here for mm-hmm. a very long time. And he can recruit. And he, he's getting players – the caliber of players that Indiana has never seen. And now it's time to – now, look, you're, you're, you're hamstrung playing in the Big Ten East in terms of, you know, playing for a national title or a conference title. It's going to take a really ridiculously special year and maybe have someone – you know, you either have to have Ohio State, Michigan, um, or Penn State to have – all of them have to have down years. They have to beat up on each other. And maybe even one of them goes on probation, and and that's how Indiana slips in there. But there's there's a window of opportunity for the Hoosiers. They have stability. You look at at comp, comparable teams uh, like Maryland, who's you know it, Mike Loxley had a terrible year. You know everybody at the beginning of the year when Maryland dropped 79 on Howard and dropped the hammer on on Syracuse, and they were in the top 25 and people were thinking that Mike Loxley was the greatest coach ever and Maryland was going to beat Ohio State and and maybe make a dark horse run for the conference title. Well, they finished 3-9. and nine. So I think the window of opportunity, there's Michigan State's there. Indiana finished fourth in the Big Ten East ahead of Michigan State. Um, there's a window of opportunity to, to, to move up in that middle part of the Big Ten East, and, and I think Indiana – did a, a smart thing with with locking up 
up Tom Allen and you know I think another another big thing was they added another half million dollars to, to the assistance pools and with the Fresno State job opening and um, Kalen DeBoer being linked to that job it's very important to have more money for assistance and and I think that that goes with now Indiana made I think they netted two hundred thousand dollars worth of beer sales that goes a long way to to give it bonuses and raises to to assistance coaches mm-hmm. as well so um programs moving in the right direction they locked up Tom Allen for the foreseeable future. look if he leaves and goes to um you know University of Florida or Ohio State whatever um you can't stop that, but I don't those guys aren't coming after him. Unless you're reading the Peaks board, Matt, and he's the front runner for every job that is opened um, all year. And I'm sure they're talking about him at Appalachian State and Florida Atlantic and USF and all those things. But um, he's going to be at Indiana for a while. And it's great to have somebody who wants to be here and who has the, that passion. And you can see um, he'll figure it out. He's going to figure it out. He's a smart guy. He'll figure it out. But let's talk some recruiting. Uh, big day yesterday, Matt. Take us through. Uh, IU got three commitments and another commitment from a preferred walk-on from of Charlie Spiegel, who's Indiana's high school rushing all-time rushing leader in yards. But just take us through uh, what yesterday meant on the recruiting trail for IU and and the rest well, of the, the weekend. First- I think the first guy to, to commit, he was, it was a when I say a surprise, just a surprise that I, I, I didn't I thought he could commit, I just wasn't sure when. It was Tim Tim Baldwin, the run back, running back out of Patriot High School. I think it's Knoxville, Virginia. Um, good player. He had committed to Michigan last year, uh, during his junior season. Decommitted, not sure why. It was it, the, the commitment and decommitment were in the same month. So it tells me that maybe he, he rushed his decision and then kinda of felt pressured when he got home, decided it wasn't the place. But whatever the reason's not really important. Good player, uh, one of the better running backs in, uh, in the East Coast. Um, you know, six foot, I think, about 195 pounds. I think they timed him around a 4'4 or something, so it sounds like he got pretty good speed. Kind of reminds me of Ronnie Walker a little bit. Um, you know, so good prospect. And then uh, Bryson Bonds, the DB out of Crowley, Texas, safety. Um, they're only taking one safety in this class. And, uh, you know, he kind of emerged here late as the guy they really wanted and visited this weekend. And, he obviously went well, and then AJ Barner, who I don't want to say he was, excuse me, I don't want to say he was a secret commit or a silent verbal. That's the you know old time term, but uh, I had heard that he was going to commit. Um, you know, Ohio State, um, excuse me, Michigan State and Pittsburgh had started to sniff around here late. There was talk he might visit one of them officially this upcoming weekend. But tight end, he was Northeast Ohio defense, defensive player of the year. Kind of reminds me of, of uh, um, Mangieri, who played Indiana a few years ago, Nick Mangieri. Um, 6'5", kind of long, um, 225, good athlete, could play DN. He played middle linebacker for his high school, and it was a really good program. They went to the Final Four of the Ohio State playoffs, got beat. They were undefeated at the time. Um, but a really good athlete. They're going to play him at tight end. He'll probably take him a year, red shirt, get in, used to the position. But he's played some tight end in high school, so it won't be totally for, for him. And then Charlie Spiegel is a really interesting guy. I mean, <clears throat> the way you build a good program is by – is with anything, it's any sport, any level, the bottom of your roster is strong. And when you get walk-ons like Charlie Spiegel and Sam Dobstrup from over in Ohio and some of the other guys they've gotten, 
that really strengthens the bottom of your roster. And those are the guys that make your team better during the week in practice. And I think this is a guy that at some point will play for Indiana on Saturdays. I think he's got – he's not – he's you know probably not the most physically gifted guy, but you don't run for what he ran for. I guess I don't care who you're playing um, and not have some ability. And he's a terrific player, Gatorade, Indiana Gatorade Player of the Year. And I don't I don't think it's any doubt that he's probably going to win Mr. Football when they announce it here. Um, really good get for Indiana. TJ, any questions for Matt before we head out? Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I mean, Spiegel is so interesting to me because, and it, it reminds me a lot of basketball recruiting with a guard uh, that you know doesn't quite meet the measurables that coaches look for in a position. Um, you know, for a maybe for a point guard, some programs are looking for look, you have to be X number in, in terms of height or you have to have X wingspan. Uh, and Spiegel doesn't do that. I mean, he's generously, what, 5'9", five, 5'9 nine, five, nine and a half? Um, and, and weight-wise, I, I don't know, I mean, 215, 220. Um, but I, I watch him play, and I've seen him live a couple of times, um, you know, it's a, an incredible program at New Pal that Kyle Ralph has built, and uh, Spiegel certainly a integral part of that. The past two years, back-to-back state champs at uh, New Palestine, and I watch him. Um, not lightning speed, but he's pretty fast. I mean, he he has some runs this year where he pulled away from, you know, big schools like uh, uh, Cathedral, Center Grove. I mean long runs where those guys couldn't catch him. You know, he had pull-away speed. Uh, and in terms of strength, uh, I've, I've seen the numbers that, that he lifts in the weight room, and uh, he's he fits right in in terms of Division One football and, uh, and what he can lift. Um, I guess my question would be, uh, what exactly held him back in the eyes of coaches from him – you know, if you just look at numbers, you would say, oh, my gosh, that's a five-star recruit. Obviously, he's not that. So what is it that held him back besides just his size, do you think, uh, that made him a preferred walk-on for Indiana as opposed to a kid that they were really after, you know, with everything they got in terms of scholarship offer? Not suggesting they should have gone that route, uh, but just from an outsider's perspective, looking at things, um, what is it that Charlie Spiegel doesn't have or, or needs to work on uh, that would turn him into a, a real rotation player for Indiana? Um, well, TJ, I think I think well. First of all, yeah, I mean, I do think people look at the, the size and you know they look at him and think, well, you know, I, I think you're right. He's faster than people think, but I. I I wonder if they're they're like, well, is it the competition? I think the other thing is, you mentioned that program at Newpow and how good they are. It's almost like the Mike Leach and the quarterbacks. Is he a system guy? You know, could you plug anybody in? And obviously his numbers are incredible. I'm not saying you could, but I wonder if sometimes people think, well, it's that offense. Newpow's offense mm-hmm. is so good. This guy's such a yeah. you know great uh, X's and O's guy that he's making them look better than he is. I, I think it's a terrific – I think in – if it was a year where they had plenty of scholarships, maybe they offer him. I don't know if they do, but I, to me, I would not have a problem with it. If this was a year where you had 25, at least 25 spots, 
and you do you can take a couple running backs. I just think the numbers are tight, and to get him as a walk-on is a total steal. And I think he will be on scholarship uh, sooner rather than later in Indiana. I think he's going to prove his worth, and I think he's going to get rewarded for it because that's you know Tom Allen really really cherishes and and, and values those players, and we've seen it. We've seen guys who are walk-ons work their way into the rotation and play and and be factors. So. You know, it's hard to put an exact reason on why. I just think it's one of those deals where people, even though the eye test is telling you one thing, people are almost not trusting their eyes. They're not trusting what they're seeing, and they're kind of yeah. putting him in this box where he doesn't have this, maybe he doesn't have this 40 times. You know, I, I remember when I was a manager, Antoine Randall ran like a 4-6, which really isn't that fast, but Antoine played faster than that. I mean, he was a 4-4 mm-hmm. four, four player when he put the pads on and got out on the field. And some guys play faster than their time speed. I don't know what his time speed is, but I, what I do know is whatever it is, I bet you he's playing faster than whatever they clocked him at if he's ever been clocked. And you mentioned the strength. Um, and I think in today's with the spread offenses, I mean, you know, he's 20 years ago, 25 years ago, he probably a cinch as a fullback um, because he's kind of – but I think I think he can still play, and I think he's going to be – you know, I don't know if he's going to, he's going to probably come in and set the world on fire. They're loaded at running back. But I think this is a guy that's going to make your team better every day on the field. And I think at some point he's going to push for playing time, and I think he's going to get out on the field. And like I said, I, you know, they, they recruited him almost like a scholarship player. Last week, their first day they, on Monday, Taylor DeBoer went to New Pal to see him. Mike Hart was in his house last night for an in-home. I mean, they're almost recruiting him like a scholarship player. They're, they're spending resources to go see him when you send players. I know going from Blue to New Pal is not a super far distance, but still, you're sending your offensive coordinator uh, the Monday, the first Monday you go out on the road, and he goes to New Pal High School to see him. So there's obviously a lot of interest. They recruited him hard. They really wanted him, and, and it paid off. And I, I, I think it's one of the biggest steals in this recruiting class that Indiana's got scholarship or, or not. Yeah, I, I'm glad that I'm not going crazy, at least in that, that regard. My kids might drive me there pretty soon, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad I'm not going crazy in that regard uh, because I, I – look, I'll, I'll make a prediction here that has no consequences if I'm wrong, so who cares. Uh, but I, I will predict that there will be a role for Charlie Spiegel uh, in an Indiana offense because if you have a good offensive coordinator – you find a role for a kid like that. I'm not saying next year, uh, but but you find a role for a player like that that has been so productive, uh, and I, I think there's going to be a role for him where he's going to have some big days for Indiana, make some big plays. Uh, in my head, I'm comparing it from an impact standpoint, uh, and I, I don't know if he'll get quite here because Indiana's program is just at a different stage, But uh, and I'm not comparing him as a player, but – from an impact level as a walk-on, I'm comparing him to Mitchell Page in terms of the impact I think he could possibly have uh, over the entire course of his career. I, I agree, TJ. And I think another area where he could where he could really help out is, and it may not be as a returner, but he could be a guy on special teams, a guy on the return team that you put as one of your up guys or whatever. He's a blocker on the cover unit. I mean, I think he's a good enough athlete. You could do that. I think he's a tough enough kid. I mean, this is a guy that you'll find a role, like you said, on offense, but I think you'll find a role for him uh, to do other things, too. And and, and uh, I think the Mitchell Page, obviously, they're, like you said, they're different players. They're the receiver, completely different bodies and all that. But from what he'll do for this program, the kind of, I think, kind of, uh, you know, intangibles he will provide, not only as a player on the field, but off the field, I think it's very, very good comparison. And like I said, I think it's a steal. I don't think you're crazy at all. I think it's a heck of a player. And if they wouldn't have got a running back that they wanted and they had a spot open late, I would, I, to me, I would offer the kid because I think it's worth it. 
Um, and, and, you know, the fact that they got him as a walk-on is just crazy in my opinion. So, so what's next for Indiana? Um, Jason Harris, I know, is probably the guy on the, you know, the very tip top of the board, if you will, a uh, four-star defensive end that, um, you know, took a visit to Indiana this past weekend and appeared to love it, but what doesn't doesn't go great. Uh, you have to be Tom Crane or, or somebody else to really screw up a visit, but um, <laughs> for the most part. It looks like Indiana's got a legitimate shot with Jason Harris. Uh, do you think that that's still realistic after this weekend, or did Indiana uh, improve their chances and, and really have a chance of getting his services? What would that mean, and what else do you think Indiana's going to do if they try to round out this class before signing day? Yeah, it's funny. I actually just got off the phone before I got out here with you guys about 6.15, 6.20 with Jason and talking about his visit. And obviously, yeah, I mean, I've never really heard of an official visit going poorly. I mean, it, it has happened, uh, but it's very, very rare. Um, but he, I, I think they did everything they possibly could to convince him that Indiana is the right place for him. I think he loved it. You know, to me, the biggest thing was all of the schools that he's basically looking at are all over by where he's from on the West Coast. You know, Colorado and Arizona, you know, I'm trying to get a school, UCLA. Those are all the schools he's kind of interested in. And to take a trip across the country mm-hmm. to Indiana in December, I mean, nobody's coming to Indiana in December for the heck of it. I mean, you know, I grew up here, but it's cold. <laughs> nobody's coming here. It's dreary. And for him to make that trip uh, to come to Indiana told me that he connected with the coaches because they, they got in on him a little bit late than, than normal, and they obviously did a great job. Coach William Inge is the area recruiter out there. Obviously, Mark Hagan was involved. And they got him to come, and you know, from what he told me, and I know recruits always say good things, but he's got he's there's legitimate interest. I think they did everything they could. He's going to go to UCLA. You know, I think it seems like Colorado's the biggest competition. He's got a lot of crystal ball picks. I actually asked him about that. He kind of laughed and said, "I'm not really sure where that's coming from." He said, "I'm I'm considering everybody. Nobody's in front. So unless he's just blowing smoke, which he could be, you know, I think I think they've got a legit shot. Um, he's going to sign, even though he's announcing on January 2nd the Under Armour game. He's going to sign next week." Uh, I was told that the only people that will know are the head coaches of each of the programs. Now, can it say a secret for that long? I don't know. It did for David Bell. He did the same thing last year. You know, everybody kind of knew he was going to Purdue, but it was, you know, it kind of stayed under the radar a little bit, but that's what he's going to do. Other needs, I mean, Deontay Craig is still a guy. They're still going after him. Um, I've heard that they're going to be at Southport next Saturday to watch him play basketball in that Southport shootout. They're playing uh, Culver's playing against uh, Bloomington South. Um, I've heard that uh, there could be a couple of coaches there for that. Um, still want to get at least one alignment, maybe two. Um, we really want to tackle. Um, Alante Brown is up there at the top, the receiver, the prep school wideout. He's from Chicago but played at a prep school up in the Northeast. J- John Davis Robertson, he was in this weekend. They really liked him. They, they would take both those guys. They both want to come. Marquez Bell, they like him out of Florida. Uh, but he's a little bit just below the other two, Alante Brown and John Davis Robertson. Um, you know, but that's kind of where they're at. I mean, it's basically a D end, um, an, an O lineman or two if they have the room, and then uh, you know the two receivers if they can get them. So that's kind of where they're at. There could be attrition after the bowl game. There almost always is. It wouldn't shock me. So there may be some spots that they try to fill one or two in February. But you know, it wouldn't be shocked if they use all the spots they have available right now next week, and then if something opens up in February or after the bowl game, maybe you try to fill, it, try to add a guy or two at the second signing date. 
Awesome. Great stuff. Thank you, Matt. Uh, TJ, any final thoughts before we, we head off into the sunset? No, it was a great weekend, uh, great past nine or ten days for Indiana football, um, really accomplishing everything you could possibly want in terms of on the field, off the field, recruiting, bowl game. It's, it's been a, a really fun ride. The last ten days have been great. And uh, Roger Huddle is going to have as well as Peagues uh, with Matt. Great work that they do. I'm sure it's going to be covering you know this Tennessee matchup in, in depth. And uh, we've got a little while to prepare for it, unfortunately, but a little bit of a wait, but I think it'll be worth it. It's going to be a really cool experience to see Indiana in Florida uh, playing in the Gator Bowl, which is, you know, a game that you watch really good programs play in every year, and IU gets to be one of those this year. That's really cool. Yeah, it'll be nice to watch an IU game in Florida, not on Labor Day weekend when it's 8,000 million degrees <laughs> uh, with 200,000% humidity and, and uh, all that stuff. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts before we let you go? No, I mean, I just echo what TJ said. I mean, it's the last week and a half has been about as good of uh, a period of time for Indiana football that I can remember. Uh, you know, following this program for as long as I have and being a manager, it's working for him when Cam was there. It's it's uh, it's exciting. It's, you know, um, you know, hopefully you keep the momentum. I think they got good things going. I mean, you're going to have – you're going to have uh, – you know, uh, adversity and things go bad and decommit and whatever. But, you know, I think they built a solid enough program that those will just be bumping the roads where in the past they were, you know, basically craters and it really derailed things. I don't think this program is going to go sideways. and It should be a fun ride. And, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to going down to Florida uh, after the first of the year and seeing, uh, seeing the Hoosers play. Yeah, it should be a fun trip down to Jacksonville. Hopefully it is uh, warm and the sun is out. Uh, but anyway, Matt, thanks for joining us. You can follow Matt on Peaks.com uh, over there. He does great work. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Hopefully you guys as kids don't drive you up a wall uh, or in TJ's case across the ceiling since he's probably at the top <laughs> of the wall already. Um, but thank you guys for joining us and, uh, bowl season is, is around the corner. Uh, we got signing days next week, believe it or not. And, um, we'll have it all covered. So thank you guys for joining us. Have a, have a pleasant evening and, and, uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks guys. Have a good one. See ya. All right. That does it for tonight. Uh, podcast that was TJ Inman and Matt Weaver from Peaks.com talking recruiting, talking bowl games, talking extensions uh, and new contracts and all that stuff. A great week for Indiana. Uh, last 10 days saw them bring home the old oak and bucket up at Purdue in double overtime, a handful of commitments uh, and the birth into the tax layer Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville against Tennessee. Uh, so thank you for joining us. You can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. You could go on the internet at HoosierHuddle.com as well. Uh, remember if you need a Christmas gift uh, or bowl apparel uh, for the IU game down at Jacksonville, head on over to Homefield apparel. Uh, use promo code huddle to get 20% off of all your IU gear. Uh, they have great stuff. And take a look. I'm sure they'll release a bold T-shirt here shortly uh, and things like that. So thank you for joining me. For Sammy Jacobs, 
TJ Inman and Matt Weaver, thanks for joining us on the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. Have a pleasant evening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.